When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Once again to the Explaining History podcast and today I'm going to be looking at the second part of the Battle of Britain. Uh, hopefully we won't run over into a third but it's better to kind of pace these things out and do them in detail. Anyway, I'm going to try to make this uh, as succinct and therefore painless as possible. So if you remember the last time uh, we were talking about the Battle of Britain uh, and the uh, preparatory stages, focusing on Hitler's objectives for Operation Sea Lion, and the poor preparation that had gone into the German air offensive over Britain. What emerged is the fact that the Luftwaffe are far less prepared than they actually think. There's an awful lot of bravado within the Luftwaffe and within Hitler's government itself, believing that following the Battle of France, that everything else is a fait accompli, and the British are defeated uh, before uh, the first shot of the Battle of Britain's actually been fired. And surely the Britain has no more fight in it and will come to terms. Well, the events of the 24th of July proved to be something of a wake-up call, at least for the Luftwaffe, if not for everybody else. Um, Adolf Galland the uh, Luftwaffe fighter ace, took 40 uh, Messerschmitt Me-109s and 18 Dornier 17 bombers uh, to attack a convoy in the uh, Thames estuary. We're still in a period that the Luftwaffe described as the canal camp for the Channel War. Um, The Thames estuary obviously leading directly into London, so they're getting closer towards an attack on London, but not quite. Three squadrons of uh, the RAF rise to meet them, uh, Spitfires, uh, exclusively no hurricanes, and they are the RAF are badly outnumbered. Galland was surprised, only two German aircraft are shot down, but Galland was surprised about the tenacity of the British, about how hard they fought and how doggedly they stuck to uh, the ME-109s trying to bring them down. And he berates his uh, squadron when he gets home and he says, basically, you should have wiped out the RAF, but you didn't do. Uh, You guys need to try harder. But secretly, Galland was concerned about the tenacity of the British. 
and he thought that this was an ill omen for the future. But what he had to say in his official reports is entirely uh, different and muted, and you don't really get to pass on these observations, particularly to someone like Goering, who doesn't want to hear them. The first official day of the Battle of Britain, the uh, Adler Tag, uh, the Eagle Day, was set for the 13th of August. Uh, there are obviously all sorts of issues surrounding uh, weather forecasts and weather predictions and, and that kind of thing that meant that uh, the date has to be put back slightly. But the biggest attack comes on Portsmouth, on the naval base there, and there are wide-ranging attacks on airfields across the southeast of England. However, the reconnaissance that had been done was uh, sufficient and uh, was uh, up to date, but it was how the intelligence was sifted and interpreted, i.e. what Air Force inter- Luftwaffe intelligence officers there were interpreting uh, the aerial photos in uh, Germany that led to uh, all sorts of uh, poor intelligence failures on the first day. Many of the airfields attacked were not from fighter command, so uh, the knockout blow doesn't come. When the sky is clear that day, radar posts uh, pick out 300 aircraft heading towards Southampton, and they're intercepted by 80 fighters. And this was quite a shock to the Germans, who uh, are using slow Stuka dive bombers uh, this is pretty much the first and the last time they they use them. Six are shot down on, in one go. So on the Eagle Day, there were 47 enemy aircraft shot down, so 47 uh, Luftwaffe aircraft shot down, 13 RAF planes were shot down, and three RAF pilots killed, and the Germans obviously lose much more, uh, far greater numbers of aircrew, 89 killed or taken prisoner. The first day is a resounding disappointment for Goering, but it doesn't stop him on the 15th uh, sending an attack wave of 1,790 fighters and bombers um, that fly all the way from Norway and Denmark and northern France. And the day is, in any, if anything, an even greater disaster for the Luftwaffe, referred to as Black Thursday. Um, it met the Luftwaffe lost one-fifth of the entire attacking force that day. However, the problem for the RAF was that despite their high kill ratio, they're enormously outnumbered. The aircraft factories haven't started to churn out the 450 or so additional fighter planes uh, necessary uh, that, that they do later on in the Battle of Britain each month. Uh, the airfields are coming under immense pressure only a couple of days into the Battle of Britain and there are ground crew being killed who are as essential as the pilots' aircraft fitters, uh, radar operators, members of the uh, Women's Auxiliary Air Force, fighter aircraft ground crew and others. The last outing of the Stuka dive bomber is actually on the 18th of August when 16 are, 18, I beg your pardon, are shot down out by 43 squadron, proving the obvious point that ground attack aircraft are no match for uh, fighter escorts. 
It was the new RAF pilots that had the highest rate of losses. Uh, more experienced, more seasoned pilots managed to uh, learn about where to look for fighter aircraft in the sky. The fresh pilots who would turn up as reinforcements would uh, often be uh, would normally be woken early, about 5 a.m by the ground crew and they'd be driven out to a hut on the airfield, the uh, dispersal point where they'd be fed and then they would wait around reading, having a game of cards and a cigarette for the call to action. Unfortunately for a lot of these guys, the weather in August of 1940 is absolutely uh, stunning. Beautiful blue skies and these are deadly uh, conditions in which to be facing the Luftwaffe as they are above and you have to fly up to meet them and they can see you coming uh, much more easily than you can see them. Those that would survive their first action then landed and would go through the same process again. And there might be only half an hour between raids and uh, the uh, pilots being scrambled. And so some days the pilots would have to collapse into exhaustion or exist in a kind of a permanent non-sleep as they contemplated whether they would survive till the end of the day. And this, of course, had huge consequences for their mental health. Those pilots that survived the Battle of Britain, many reported uh, having all manner of trauma and depression, anxiety and other side effects, uh, emotional and psychological side effects, as a result of the strain that they were put under. Sector controllers on the ground would communicate using radio to the squadron leaders who would instruct the squadron on uh, what to do, where to go and where the enemy was uh, coming from. The objective of each RAF fighter squadron was to disperse the bombers. Bombers on their own were very vulnerable and to do this as quickly as possible before the fighter escort that was flying several thousand feet above the bombers was able to intervene. Spitfires in this instance would take on the fighters, the, they being the faster fighter aircraft, and the slower hurricanes would focus on the slower bombers. It should be remembered that the majority of pilots in the Battle of Britain were under the age of 22, much as with Bomber Command and later the US Army Air Force's bomber fleets uh, across Europe. It was difficult to get older, more cautious men to take the kinds of risks that younger aviators were going to. The conditions for Luftwaffe pilots were also uh, highly unfavourable. Many of them lived in uh, mess huts on the other side of the channel, on the Pas de Calais, on quickly built and improvised airfields. Most of the airfields they flew from hadn't been seized from the French, they were built from scratch, and so very rough and uh, uneven, and there were very poor facilities for the Luftwaffe pilots there. The ME109 was a very powerful and quite a difficult aircraft to fly and was really quite problematic for new pilots who'd been rushed into the battle. 
Goering was a fairly unsympathetic taskmaster. And unlike Hugh Dowding, who spent a great deal of time focusing on the morale of the air crews, knowing it was essential, and knowing that uh, low morale was going to perhaps bring uh, Britain to its knees, Goering simply saw the Luftwaffe as a, uh, a factory where he, the kinds of results that he could provide the Fuhrer with of uh, bombed airfields, destroyed RAF uh, planes and uh, downed pilots would be produced and in large numbers and when they weren't uh, because of you know the problems we've already identified uh, Goering is mercilessly unsympathetic. However the key question of fuel and flying time was causing the Luftwaffe all manner of difficulties. Again, this is a big clue to us that the Battle of Britain is very poorly thought through and a, a rush job by Goering particularly. The ME109s are, can't spend very long over southern England and have to peel away, leaving the bombers exposed uh, as they attack airfields. There just isn't enough flying time from northern France to southern England uh, and back again to give adequate cover so that a, uh, you know, a serious amount of damage can be inflicted on the RAF. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's something kind of inimical to Nazism uh, in what happens next. Goering was given an intelligence assessment uh, in mid-August, which was uh, woefully, uh, overly optimistic about the level of damage being done to the RAF. There are other intelligence assessments which are far more realistic, but Goering only chooses to believe the ideas that are most in line with what the Nazis want to believe anyway. Anything else is considered to be defeatism, and uh, against the will of the Fuhrer and, and that sort of thing. Now, this isn't just over-optimism. It is a trait of Nazism, of the kind of the constant dynamism of Nazism, i.e. the will to action over, uh, shall we say, hesitation or reflection or pause for thought or change in strategies. And the idea at the heart of Nazism is that will will conquer all. It's all you have to do is be decisive enough and um, determined enough 
and the world will bend to meet your uh, your will. Obviously, the world doesn't do that, and poor intelligence is something that defeats armies the world over. Goering's refusal to listen to more realistic intelligence assessments, to slow down or to alter or to suspend or to change strategy, is not just foolishness on his part, although the man was uh, immensely capable of that, but it was something that runs right to the heart of Nazi ideology. And it's a key reason, I believe, why the Nazis uh, were defeated finally in the Second World War. Um, that the refusal to bend to reality and the belief that willpower will triumph was tested quite literally to destruction. The real experts were, of course, the Luftwaffe pilots, who could have told Goering that the RAF was not about to collapse, and that even when Goering focuses the attentions of the Luftwaffe again and again and again on RAF airfields, and tells them each day that there are, they're a couple of hours away from final victory, all that he engenders amongst his men is disbelief and contempt. Hugh Dowding had, uh, was well aware that the battle was always going to have been a long struggle, one of wearing down the enemy and of preventing oneself from being worn down. And even though on nearly every day the RAF shot down more Luftwaffe pilots than they themselves lost, the reality was that the RAF had far fewer resources to start with than they could afford to lose. New fighter planes pouring out from factories, courtesy of Lord Beaverbrook, Max Aitken, and his uh, Ministry of Aircraft Supply, uh, was one thing, but it was the shortage of actual pilots that was the, the real difficulty. Spitfires can be made quickly, pilots take a while to train. And green pilots, as we already know, are extremely vulnerable and likely to die uh, in their first battle. Fighter command was also becoming divided over the question of tactics. Um, the Air Marshal Trafford Lee Mallory, the commander of the 10th Group, which was uh, north of London in uh, Buckinghamshire, um, thought that an approach called the Big Wing strategy uh, should be used, which meant that you concentrated numerous squadrons together in a massed attack. The first person to have suggested this was the famous uh, wing commander, Douglas Bader, who in the post-war era was, uh, became a sort of a national celebrity in Great Britain, featured in the film Reach for the Sky um, by Kenneth Moore. And he was famous in no small part because he was a double amputee and lost both legs in an air crash before the Second World War had begun and flew across uh, the South Downs piloting a plane with prosthetic legs. The Big Wing was slow though. By the time most squadrons had uh, assembled into a, a massed formation, the Luftwaffe had gone home. Dowding didn't believe in the Big Wing strategy. But the debate was kind of superseded on the 24th of August uh, when the Luftwaffe accidentally overfly their targets and bomb central London uh, purely by accident, but it doesn't look like that at the time. 
Churchill decides to launch retaliatory raids on Germany, knowing full well that the military uh, results that he uh, are going to be pretty much negligible, and that the air crews are certainly at a high risk of not returning home. However, at the time, it's propaganda gold, the sort of thing that Churchill was crying out for, the opportunity to present um, Britain as the victim of a terror attack from the air and thusly uh, retaliating in the only way that seems justified. And also, Churchill was able to demonstrate to the British public that on some level the British were still in the war and still taking the war to uh, Germany. And this was, again, another another nod to Roosevelt showing that Britain hadn't give up, given up and was still uh, fighting and able to hit the enemy where it hurt. It proved to be the salvation of uh, RAF Fighter Command as Goering took the decision to move the attack away from the airfields and to uh, attacking Britain's cities. This again was a major tactical blunder by Goering whom, had he continued the pressure on the airfields, may well have actually broken the RAF and killed large numbers of the vital ground crew and the infrastructure um, that kept pilots in the air and directed them to where they needed to be. The day in which the Battle of Britain was uh, decided was on the 7th of September, um, Goering and a coterie of Nazi uh, grandees and generals and SS men um, stood on the cliffs of the Pas de Calais and watched a thousand aircraft in a massive attack fly towards the White Cliffs of um, Dover. The uh, fighter command put 11 squadrons in the air over um, the southeast of England. And the uh, people of Kent particularly um, were able to look up and see this terrifying spectacle in the air above them. And what they were really witnessing was the beginnings of the Blitz in earnest as the direction of the bombers was taking them towards London's docks. And we'll be focusing a little bit on the Blitz uh, later this week. The bombers would kill 300 um, Londoners that day and wound 1,300 others, and the Thames itself would burn with uh, oil and the destruction of shipping and other manufacturing and industrial uh, infrastructure along the docks. The next attack comes on the f uh, 15th of September, but because of the attack the week before, the RAF were one step ahead of the Luftwaffe, and they really had a kind of a dry run for dealing with the uh, the scale of the attack. So the RAF assembled 23 squadrons of fighters um, to protect London, and the uh, squadrons have plenty of warning and are able to gain altitude, most crucially, uh, in time. So they're not there race racing to get to height before the ME-109s turn up. The ME-109s have to go home as a result of fuel shortages and this leaves the bombers um, absolute sitting ducks as they attack London again. 
Later that afternoon, a second wave of bombers comes over and a similar process occurs. The ME-109s have to return back to northern France and at the end of the day, 56 aircraft had been shot down and there had been 29 fighters uh, lost by the RAF and 12 pilots killed. And the attacks that come after the uh, 15th of September are never really on the same scale or have the, the same strength. On the 16th of September, Goering convinced himself that the attacks had been a devastating success and the RAF had been all but wiped out, losing, he believed they'd lost nearly 200 aircraft, which shows either poor intelligence or just a willful desire to select the worst intelligence going. Probably the latter is my guess. The Battle of Britain doesn't necessarily... Uh, End in so much as it transitions into the Blitz. One campaign neatly becomes, or perhaps not so neatly, becomes another. But what does end in September 1940 are any realistic ambitions of an invasion. And Hitler postpones indefinitely Operation Sea Lion on the 2nd of October 1940. The members of the German High Command who'd had their misgivings about Operation Sea Lion also shared them about the likely results of heavy city bombing uh, on British morale. Uh, it was generally thought amongst many of uh, Hitler's generals that this would do very little and it would do almost nothing to break uh, the uh, Britain's war industries as the Luftwaffe just don't have the capacity in terms of heavy bombers in order to achieve such a goal. Instead, it was thought that strangling Britain using U-boats in the Atlantic was a far more realistic prospect, and in that assumption, they're nearly right. Anyway, I hope you found this useful and enjoyable, and I'll catch you on the next podcast. Do remember, if you can, to give us a good write-up on iTunes, and if you can check out our Patreon page, that would be grand as well. All the best. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.